Welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter, we're back. I mean, we were back two weeks ago, but then someone had to go on jury service and all of the proverbial hit the fan. All the proverbial has hit the fan in the NFL. Moves galore, retirements galore, the first game announced. And on today's show, we'll be talking to Bears legend, Brian Erlacher. Oh, and uh, Tim Brown as well. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show. And Willie, I've missed you, buddy. I've missed you so I much. I didn't hear any of that intro, by the way. Did you just do a whole intro? Yeah. Why did yeah, you hear it? I don't know. I, it literally just came in just as you were talking then. So I'm going to assume it was fantastic. Oh, no. I think it, I'm pretty sure it worked. Anyway, it was probably the best <laughs> intro. It was probably the best intro I've ever done. And if that hasn't worked, I may have a little cry. Uh, oh, no. I could see the little bar going up and down, you know. I mean, you can always re-record it at the end. It's not a problem. But no, no, I won't I... be able to record that gold again. Oh, it, oh honestly, no. I've struggled on the intros. I, you know, sometimes you just say, "Ollie, you're doing it," and and then I'm like, "Oh, uh, uh," but this one may be the best one I've ever done. I, I'm well, just, I'm, I'm just saying. Thanks, thanks, but um, you've been on jury service, so I've missed you. I haven't had my Willie G fix. What was the most interesting thing about jury service? Did you get any good cases? I only did one case. I was only on jury service for one week in the end, <sighs> because after the one case I did do, I uh, I then I got it finished on the Friday lunchtime, and then we went back up to the jury room, and they were like, "Oh, so we've had like two cases cancelled for next week, so um, we we don't need as many people. So is there anyone in this group who's a first weeker, as they kept calling us?" And I was like, "Yeah, I am." And they're like, "Yeah, you can just go home." Oh. Don't worry, don't have to come back. Great. Ooh. So uh, I only did one week in the end. Not like I got, I managed to get more work, but you know, was it a good case? Good. Uh, it was interesting. Um, it Can was, you talk about you it? Know, well, I can't because the the only thing I will tell you, um, it uh, it ended up not being a mistrial, but <gasps> basically um, there it, there was no verdict in the end. So uh, the case continues as it were which is a little frustrating to not really know the output yeah. um i've just seen you've put a uh, a particularly uh wanky sunset picture on your uh on your instagram yesterday well done buddy proud oh, of you it's, it's, a, it's a, a good it's a good one it's, uh, give it a like no, yeah but you call it wanky this is a family yeah. show it was a bit wanky no uh, you're out of order uh, so yeah, it was it was it was good. It was fun. Uh, it was interesting. The best bit is bit when you go into a room with eleven other human beings who you've barely got to know, yeah. and then suddenly you have to debate something quite serious with them. And watching the different responses and the way different people approach stuff, and that's the stuff that was really fascinating. What was the female to male ratio? Uh, about half and half. Who was the oldest? Uh, there were a couple of older. Ladies in our group. And how old was the youngest? Uh, 18, 19, there was someone, wow. there was another girl. There was a girl who was 22. Yeah. And so when you do jury service, you can't get called up for another two years. She was 22 and it was her second time <gasps> doing it. And both times was at the Old Bailey as well. Like, 
Wow, that's mental. Where's the Old Bailey? Is that in central London? That's the big one. That's the one where they do like the you know yeah, yeah. the murder trials and the terrorism trials, all the fun ones, and, uh, uh, all the stuff like that. So <laughs> honestly, the the bits where the, the stuff there where you like because there were a couple of people who came in with a real mindset already of where they were approaching it, and there were others who like literally sat there and didn't make any arguments and just listened to what everyone had to say. Sure. Um, you can guess who ended up being the foreman. Well, the booming willy. Old Triple B over here. Yeah, but Triple honestly, B. Oh, I'll, I'll do it. No, 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 don't worry. I'm used to public speaking. Oh, you're the worst. <laughs> you are literally... Of course you would have been. You've of just c- invented this entire narrative. I actually <laughs> didn't want to put myself forward. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Here we go. And... Oh, oh, guys. Oh, I probably shouldn't do it because, oh, you know, I'm not used to speaking up in public. Ooh, I've got a really... I'm really meek and I've got a really soft voice. No one else, no one else had uh, had volunteered, and I'd kind of spent a couple of days like learning everyone's names and getting to kind of know everyone a little bit. Yeah, classic um, Will Gavin here. And so I was, I was like almost conducting the conversation about who would be the four. I was like, "Do you fancy doing it?" X, and he said a name. Then um, uh, I think you'd be really good or whatever. And then someone was like, "Well, Will, you're already kind of doing it, so why don't you just do it?" I was like, oh. How long? So I had doing it. How long are you bound by? Um, by not secrecy, but you know confidentiality. Well, I I can't talk about it because the case, unless well, I I could find out what happens with that case in the end, and then uh, yeah, I could find out what happens to it in the end, and then from there, uh, once there's been finally a verdict, I can tell you all about it because there's not a verdict at the moment. Yeah because the person hasn't been either sentenced or acquitted, then there's not really anything I can say. Was it, it was, interesting, though? It was fascinating. Oh, yeah, right, great. Fascinating. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was that week. And then on Sunday, I went to see Childish Gambino at the O2. You sent me a little interview from, actually, the, the little review was from Elizabeth Aubrey, who um, uh, I know a little bit. She... Um, oh, here we go. She's, yeah. Yeah, no, only like, we you go. know, only Brilliant. kind of online-ish. Yep. I mean, she's a music reviewer for the Evening Standard or something. That's not really a clang, well, are they? You know. um, but you know... When, <laughs> oh, I got you, you to buy. The... It's only been six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know when there's like a really good piece of writing... Yeah, yeah. ...that it manages to put into words something that you're struggling to. Yeah. That's like, I, I, Charles Gambino is the best gig I've been to in ages, probably since we went to see Arcade Fire. It was absolutely what a gig stunning. That was, yeah. And she absolutely nailed it. So, uh, yeah, it was great. It looked so amazing. It looked amazing on your uh, on your Insta stories at Will Gav, or is it Talk Gav now? Uh, no, it's still Will. <laughs> at Will Gav, okay, good. But it looked, <laughs> it looked amazing. <laughs> it looked really cool. And, uh, um, it really snuck up on me. I forgot about it. So, Gardish Chambino. Yeah. Uh, I, over the weekend, I saw three movies. Okay. Two in one day. I was going to see three in one day, but then walked from uh, Putney, no, from Wandsworth to Hammersmith and back. Why? Just because it was a sunny day. It was nice. It was li- with Liv, it was really nice. You a know? little walk down yeah. along the river, across the, on, the bridge. And then uh, along the other, along the river bank on the way back. Uh, but I was going to see Fighting With My Family, but we sacked it off to do the walk. And I really want to see it, but don't ruin it. And don't say whether you like it or not, because that often ruins whether I like a movie or not. What, whether I liked it? No, because, yeah, don't say anything. 
Okay. Did you like it? You told me not to say anything. Yeah, well done. You passed the test. But um, I saw, <laughs> I saw three movies, and I'd like you to guess in which order I I preferred them. Okay, fine. So I saw. Can I guess what you saw? Yeah, yeah. Okay, go. Captain Marvel. No. Oh, have you seen that? Yet? Not seen it yet. Really want to. It's really good fun. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really. Good I love fun. Brie Larson. I love her. Uh, so this was this past weekend just gone. This weekend just gone. Yeah. Did you see us? No, too scary. Oh, you're rubbish. I don't care what you saw if you didn't see us. Uh, I saw Fisherman's Friends, um, White Crow, and What Men Want. I think you liked White Crow most. Yep. Fisherman's Friends second, What Men Want last. Well, I will tell you this. You got the first one right, but Fisherman's Friends I liked the least. And that's because the main actor, I think his name's Daniel Mays, I hate yeah. him. I hate him. <laughs> I can't stand his... I can't... I, I hate him. He ruined the movie for me. I, everything oh, really? else... It was quite a quaint movie. It, 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 it you know, it went through all of the, 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 the proper tropes. But he is the central agent guy who then falls in love with Tuppence Middleton, who's stunning, by the way, um, and very good. But... Her name's Tuppence Middleton. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a a, a British person that's been invented in an episode of Family Guy. <laughs> it doesn't it? That's does. absolutely ridiculous. But he falls that he gets with her and she's oh, got a kid. See? But he just I can't I, he ruined the whole movie. Everything else it was quite a quaint sweet movie, but he ruined the the movie for me, which then elevated what men want above it, which is just a a crappy uh rom-com kind of thing. But, you know. Um, but the most important thing is the best film in the cinema at the moment is Us, and everyone should go to see it. Is it scary? Yes and no, because it's not... Again, it's still not... Because Jordan Peele is a man who uh, comes from a comedy background and uh, levity is very much his stock and trade, mm-hmm. there's always funny moments within the horrific moments. And it's never nasty. That's the difference. Like, it's... it's I just... I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. Okay. So everyone should go and see I it. may go and funnily watch enough, it. Funnily enough, none of this is about the NFL. Uh, we've got two... <laughs> we've got you, ten you, minutes without the NFL. I do apologise. Did you say in the intro that we've got two big guests coming up? Yes. Uh, we've got Brian O'Lacker, and then I... Gam- Hall of Fame, Bears linebacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned half of that. And then I said Tim Brown. Correct. Yes! Hall of Fame, wide receiver... From the Oakland Raiders. I didn't mention any of that, but I did get his name right. Because in a, for a scary moment, I thought we had a Hall of Fame running back for the Cleveland Browns, Jim Brown. <laughs> wow, that, I mean, that would have been also great. <laughs> it would have been but, great. But then I remembered, we'd, I don't think we've spoken to him yet. So uh, the, the Tim Brown conversation is fantastic. Really good fun. And we get into it. It was pre-Antonio Brown signing for the Raiders. I know that seems like a while ago now, but we did it kind of not long after the Super Bowl. But we got I got his view. So... Wasn't it's it the day before that it, that it all yeah, broke? Yeah, it, it was literally the day before. Yeah. Um, so Tim Brown was in Oakland when Gruden came in first time round and was like three years older than Gruden when he came in. It was a very Sean McVay type situation. Um, so 
we got his views on Gruden, on the Raiders' future, um, but also whether Gruden was the right coach for Antonio Brown. So that's really fascinating. And then Brian Erlacher with the big news about the opening game. We talked to him about that. Opening game. His career. It was just a quick chat with Brian Erlacher, but he's a lovely, lovely man. So, um, and it's a rare, he doesn't do a lot of press stuff. So, uh, yeah, two really fun interviews, both coming up for you shortly. I will. So we don't really have a lot to do or say really on this episode. Well, I look, <laughs> funnily, we've gone 12 minutes and I don't know why I'm doing keep keep doing time checks um <laughs> i will listen to the interview because i'm i am fascinated and I, I by hearing old older players and and i you know i'll download the, the the pod and all of that but just tell me does he hate green bay packers i mean he never outwardly says that but he talks about how great the rivalry is okay great 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 all right well i mean we should probably start with that and give our thoughts anyway First game, is it the 5th of September, Thursday, uh, to celebrate the 100 years of the NFL, Green Bay travel to Chicago to take on the Bears. Um, it was the first game, our first game last year, wasn't it, on Sunday Night Football, when Aaron Rodgers got injured and staged that miraculous comeback after the mm-hmm. Khalil Mack show in the first half. Um, what a cracking game to kick off the 2019 season. Yeah, and I'm a huge, huge fan of this because, firstly, it's the 100th year of the NFL, so it's great to to have uh, the most storied rivalry. Somebody called me out on Twitter for calling it the oldest rivalry. Like, oh, technically, actually, you'll find that they're not the first two teams. I'm like, yeah, but they've played the most times by a country mile. The, the Green Bay lead the all-time series, 97, 95, and 6. Yeah, we so, do. It's, uh, you know, the Bears could level it up this year, basically. And that's what I I think they probably will, yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's I'm a big, big fan of them doing it. And also, we've had the Patriots on Thursday night football to open the season twice in the last three, four years, as it will be. So moving them to Sunday night football, uh, firstly, they don't get that extended uh, kind of mini buy in the first week, which is good. And they're like... We don't need to see another team go to Foxborough on opening night. Opening it's fine. Night. We can see something a bit different. There's talk about the Sunday night game being Browns at Patriots, which I think is on their schedule this year. Oh. There's a little bit of me that's like, I don't mind Packers-Bears, but I generally am kind of closer to the the way of thinking of, there's no need to give us incredible matchups week one. We've waited nine months, well, yeah, seven months for football by the time it comes back round again. I'm fine watching Titans against uh, uh, Buffalo Bills. Like That is a game of football I will still enjoy because I've waited so long for competitive football. So don't shoot your load. Patriots, Browns, give us to that. Like, if we hope the Browns are going to be any good, give us to that in like week 12 on Sunday night football or something when it really could mean something. So... Yeah, Patriots on Sunday night, this game on Thursday night. I am all in for that. Sounds great. Uh, So Bills, Dolphins, Steelers, uh, Jets, Browns, Chiefs, Cowboys, Giants are the home teams for the Patriots. Uh, Go with the Giants. Go with the Giants, yeah. Let them have a walkover. All the Steelers. Steelers will be a walkover. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I like that. uh, I'm going to peddle this uh, narrative and I've started it now. That the Steelers are done. The Steelers are done. <laughs> oh, I like it a lot. Yeah, why not? Ollie, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> um, a, a couple of other huge bits of news. 
Well, should we should we hear? From oh, let's no, Theo? yeah, let's do that. Let's let's. I like that. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then we'll get into the other big news, yeah. including the Gronk retirement. Yeah, let's yeah? yeah, 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 bruv. All right. Well, here's my chat with uh, Hall of Fame linebacker of the Chicago Bears, Brian Erlacher. Great stuff. Well, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome on to the show a first ballot Hall of Famer, a Chicago Bears legend. And, well, I've now discovered a Kit Kat enthusiast, Brian Erlacher. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, thank you. Yes, major Kit Kat enthusiast. Is this something that now you've, uh, now you've retired, now you've stepped away from football, you can indulge yourself a little bit more? I think I indulged more when I played because I could burn. I burned more calories when I played. <laughs> I've kind of tried to, to taper off a little bit now since I've retired because it's not as easy to keep the weight off. But I still, uh, I still dive in there every once in a while. Uh, Brian, before we get into some football stuff, I, t- I saw you briefly on uh, on Radio Row at the Super Bowl this year, and I know you were doing a lot of really good work with with United and with the Special Olympics. And I was just hoping you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, United's doing some great things and they're partnering up with Special Olympics, but they're just, the way they're informing their employees on ways to try and help people with special needs travel. You know, getting to the airport is stressful. I know it is for me. I think most people feel the same way. And they're, they're educating their employees on ways to make it easier for people to travel, most importantly, people with special needs, to make it a more enjoyable experience and just kind of make people aware of what they've, what they've done and how they're trying to make people kind of follow their lead, I guess, in, in, those, in that aspect. And, make it easier for people to, to get around it's something that you've engaged with for a lot of your career isn't it the special Olympics stuff yes i did you know I, I even in college i've always been attracted to special Olympics for some reason um i just uh it's fun to watch you know i, I like being around those kids um and you know during the super bowl week i think you might have met, met brie as well she was with me during a, a few interviews there it's just a great girl her story is tremendous she has autism and she's pretty much mainstreamed herself now in, into everyday living she's got a college scholarship for track just a great great individual and a great story so it's just to hear stuff like that you know and when i played for the bears i was uh, i left tickets for every home game for special olympics as well just uh just something small like that we could do yeah that's great i mean my wife is a, a special needs teacher teaches um kindergarten and uh, and uh early years kind of children and so it's something that's really important to me as well and so i think it's really cool that you engage in that and brie seemed like an absolute delight and yeah it's uh, it's really good stuff man yeah, it's pretty awesome. I was very, it was one of the funnest. So I'm not a huge media guy, in case you didn't know that. But the media row that day was uh, was pretty fun hanging out with Brie all day and doing it. We did probably 30 interviews, and it was just a blast listening to her story the whole time. How was uh, the other thing you've been up to recently? How was filming that uh, 100 Years of the NFL advert? That was a blast. You know, I so I went out there, and we, we, we did it all, um, I guess, in, in a, week, a week's time that the NFL shot this. Right after the NFC and AFC Championship weekend, uh, went out there. They had me scheduled for three hours. It literally took me 40 minutes to do my part. Peter Berg, the producer, director of the uh, – I think he's the direct director of the uh, commercial. was unbelievable. Got my part done. Uh, sat there and watched a little bit of everything else that was going on because the commercial was great. It's funny as heck to me. And then I got back to Arizona. I was in and out in the same day, and uh, the, the end product was phenomenal. And uh, getting to get involved with, I mean, you never get to hit another defensive guy. So actually getting to go in there and get a tackle on the legend like Deion Sanders must have been fun. It was, you know, I didn't hit him. Just so not. That, was, that was our stunt doubles. There's there, there not much contact going on by us, uh, by us old guys. <laughs> I know Dion probably didn't get hit, and I dang, I dang sure didn't do any of the contact. All I did was run by the camera a couple times, and I think my stunt double did the rest. 
That's very cool. It's very cool. Because, I, I mean, obviously, with it being the 100 years of the NFL, you're a guy who spent your entire career at the Chicago Bears, at one of the original franchises. It, that weight mm-hmm. of history of playing for a team like that, is that something you feel when you first like arrive in the building and, and first kind of go to George Hallis and, and um, Hall and all that stuff? Yeah. Definitely. You know, I think the sense of pride there and the sense of tradition, you feel right when you get to the house hall, you know, and even when you hear people talk about the Bears, you know, everywhere you go, people know, even when we played in London in 2011, I'd never been to London. So you hear people talk about, I guess in 86 or 87, the Bears played in Ireland. And some of those people were in, I was roaming around London that week, just kind of sightseeing. I ran to some people who were at the other game when they played in Ireland. So it was just cool. Like the the Bears are worldwide, man. People love the Bears, and and to be part of that tradition and and franchise for as long as I was makes me very proud. It's really interesting you mentioned that when NFL's kind of had its big spike over here in the UK in the last ten years or so, as they've started bringing games over, like the one you took part in. But there was a a kind of a brief flirtation with it in the eighties, and so there are huge fan mm-hmm. bases for the Forty ers for the Bears, for the Dolphins, those kind of teams that were successful around then, and so. You know, it's really funny that you'll speak to people who aren't even really NFL fans, but the one name they'll know weirdly is William the Refrigerator Perry because they're old enough to remember that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I got that. I mean, I I had people, I saw some French jerseys actually the week we were there for for the game. And uh, it was weird how people remember guys. Oh, he played full, he played defensive line, but they put him in the fullback to score touchdowns in the Super Bowl. The things people remember is crazy. How was your experience coming and playing in London? Unbelievable. You know, I'd never been over over there uh, my whole life before 2011. And um, the, the, so we got there. We left Thursday night from Chicago, got there Friday morning. Coach Smith kept us up all day. We went right to practice, got to play some um, cricket, which was really cool. Uh, we, we practiced or took some, I don't even know what it's called, just practiced a couple with, with a team over there. Went to bed like at 8.30 that night because we were all worn out and it was a good because the next day we had the whole day off. So love you. It was the whole day off. So we just, I went to Harrods. I'm not playing for four hours, four or five hours. <laughs> that place is unbelievable. Um, and we, I went and saw a couple of museums. Just uh, the whole experience was really cool for me. And more importantly, we won the game and came home that night. But it was a, a really cool experience for me. I think that's really cool as well because a lot of the teams only kind of come over Friday now and they never change their body clock. So the players actually don't get to experience the city at all. So it's really cool that Lovey Smith gave you the day off and you got to come out and, and enjoy some of it. Yeah, I was shocked that he gave us a day off. You know, we only have 16 games a year. So to get a day off before a game is a pretty big deal. But uh, I think I spent five or four or five of those hours at Harris, man. I could, and I still didn't see the whole, the whole three blocks or however big that place is. It was, uh, it was phenomenal. I obviously mentioned that you went into the Hall of Fame last year. What was that experience from being in Minnesota, the home of your rivals, and getting told you were going to going to the yeah. Hall up to the uh, up to the inauguration itself? How was that few months for you? Yeah. So the building up to the to, to the inauguration was stressful. Let me tell you, man. There's a lot of work that goes into that. I guess we don't realize it until you start doing it. They warned us, you know, when we found out we were getting in, they told us, you know, get ready now, the work starts. They didn't lie. My wife was a beast. She got everything done for us. She did my party. She did travel arrangements for everyone. Um, and I worked on my speech and did all, the, all that easy stuff, but she was the one doing all the stuff behind the scenes, making sure everything got done. So when we got there, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't chaotic. It was easy for us. And uh, it was a fun week. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what, so I'm not a napper at all. But when I got back from, Kenton, I napped for three straight days. I took a nap every single, like for two or three hours a day. And I'm not a napper. It was crazy. I was just worn out and kind of relieved that it was over, I think. I'm, I'm convinced if it's over 45 minutes, you just call it a sleep. It's not a nap at that point. 
Just, okay, I, I definitely was sleeping during the day then for those, <laughs> for those two days when I got back. I, I was just worn out. My body was just shut down. It was, uh, it was draining those two days. As a guy who you said it yourself, you're not a big media guy. You're not someone who's gone out there and, and really chased that side of things. What was it like having to stand up in front of X thousand people and actually talk for 20 straight minutes? Oh, stressful. And it was even I, in the back of my mind, I knew everyone was watching on TV because I've watched those speeches before on TV. Just stressful. You know, and the biggest thing I didn't want to do was leave someone out. I mean, that, that's, that was really worried about leaving you know, our, one of my friends, coaches, somebody out that, that was important to me. I ended up leaving them out, of course, uh, when I got done. I was like, oh, crap, you didn't say so-and-so's name up there. But I just didn't want to embarrass myself, and I wanted to make sure I hit, you know, the, the most important people throughout my life um, of football. And I want to ask a little bit about the, the Packers rivalry, because whilst you're coming to London this year, mm-hmm. the Bears, it's not the only potential mm-hmm. be, uh, uh, accolade that's being pushed towards them. If rumours are to be believed, there's talk of for the 100th season, rather than opening the season with the Super Bowl winner, actually having Bears-Packers, Thursday night football, up in Lambeau uh, as a big opener. What would you make of the idea of, of putting oh, that rivalry yeah. centre stage? With the tradition and the history of that, of that, um, you know, that rivalry, I'd be awesome. I think it'd be great. You know, it'd be different, obviously, because the Super Bowl champ usually plays on Thursday. But, you know, I think when you look at the 100th season, those are two of the mainstays in the NFL for the last 100 years. You know, the two of the first teams, we were the first, I think the other second or third. So to have that uh, for the 100th season, the first game of the year, that'd be really cool. I'd be on board for that. How about there be a soldier field? But I'd be on board with it, I guess. Well, you say that, but actually, the fact that they get to go and play at Lambeau in September is surely a little bit of a benefit. Well, it doesn't matter either way. You know, Soldier Field to me is colder than Lambeau, anyway. So it doesn't you're going to play one cold game unless you play them early twice? It's gonna, one of those games is going to be cold, so it doesn't really matter. Weather doesn't win the game anyway. The player got to make plays. What was your memories of that rivalry? Awesome. You know, you learn quick when you get there. Uh, the media lets you know right away that that's a big deal. Uh, and Brett Favre was there when I got there. So I grew up loving Brett Favre. <laughs> so I was a huge fan of his. You know, I was a Cowboys fan. So when they played the Cowboys, he always threw for 350, 400 yards. But my first game, we went up there. I stacked Brett Favre, and we beat him 28-24. So I uh, have good memories from my first time up there. Yeah, must have thought this whole NFL luck was easy. Oh, yeah, super easy, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's so hard. To, it's amazing how hard games are to win in the NFL. Uh, people don't realize how minute um, the difference is between winning and losing. What's, uh, what's the upcoming season looking like for you? Are you getting out there doing more media stuff? What's, uh, what's the kind of Brian like a life like now? <laughs> well, right now I'm pretty much just a, a dad. You know, I'm, I'm home most of the time. I'm a huge football fan. I watch the games. You know, I go to a few. I went to a couple of Bears games last year. I'd like to do that again this year. Um, but I'm a fan. You know, on Sundays we sit home and watch watch the games on TV, and that's about it. I uh, enjoy that. And we, during the week, we're running our kids around doing stuff. I mean, that's really exciting. I know, it's really cool, Brian. And if people want to find out more about you, about United in particular, about the stuff with the Special Olympics, uh, is there somewhere they can go? Is there somewhere that you would recommend to go and check that stuff out? Yeah, there's, you can go to the United website. There's also a special link. I'm, I don't remember it right now, but there's a special link they can go to on United. And they can click on there and, and, and see and, and maybe get some further information on, on what United's been doing and what they're going to do in the future. Well, They've done some great things already, though. 
It's really cool stuff. And, and Brian, hopefully, fingers crossed, they bring a f- couple of legends out for every game here in London this year. And, you know, Bears and, and Raiders is one of the games this year, hopefully kicking off that beautiful new NFL-ready Spurs stadium that they've got there. So maybe, maybe we can get you back over the pond for a bit of an extended visit. Yeah, uh, I would definitely be on board for that. I'm a big fan of going over there. I will hit up NFL UK and I'll let them know you're ready. Yeah, let them know. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play for-to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. Brian Erlacher, Hall of Fame linebacker of the Chicago Bears, doing some lovely work as well with United and the Special Olympics, which we heard about there. You can find out more on the United website and via, I think he's B Erlacher 54 on Twitter and uh, all the socials. Uh, and yeah, a delightful chap. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I have never been a huge uh, follower of the Bears, but he was delightful. And I quite like, some of their pieces on defence so um, I hope they beat you uh, uh, thanks mate brilliant at the beginning just to see me disintegrate as a human being at the very beginning of the season uh, yeah why yeah. not yeah why not um, do you think uh, we spoke about earlier about actors that ruin movies that are, are okay are there individuals that have ruined football teams for you like the Bears when you say individuals do you mean sporting individuals or individuals in my own life because like a bit of both i hated i hated chelsea for many years because still do I, a number of their fans i see yeah, i'm still not huge on them yeah but a number of their fans over my lifetime and i can track it back to michael woodrow in secondary school were just obnoxious so i never liked chelsea because i never wanted to see those people happy whereas like take manchester united having finally kind of move past their dominance of the last however many, you know, 20 years odd that it was. Actually watching them in Europe with Sherry the other week was really, really infectious and I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. So it's gone both ways. Yeah, it can go both ways. I can be won over to a team and I can uh, dislike a team because of the impact of of someone in my personal life. I know what you're you're angling for and you know what the answer is, so let's move on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Rob Gronkowski. Him as well. <laughs> uh, Rob Gronkowski has retired from the NFL. We, we almost expected this last offseason, uh, but it has finally happened. Nine years in the league. Um, a lot of talk. I mean, he is clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer. And when at his best and when at his dominant best, he is, I think he's the best tight end I've ever seen. Uh, this whole argument, the back and forth on the greatest of all time, this has been another classic in the Gridiron Brain Trust WhatsApp group where the moment it's happened, a load of hyperbole has been thrown out into the world. It should be called the you Gridiron know, Hot Takes Group. It should be renamed the Gridiron Hot Takes Group. And in fact, if I have the ability to rename it, I probably am going to. It's, it's, you've got to look at the Aussie Newsoms, Kellen Winslow, Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates... 
you know, there are great tight ends who he is in amongst those names. And he might be, if you want to say on his in, on his day, the most dominant. Yeah, potentially, I would say that. And he got the probably the strongest balance between the blocking, the second level blocking and the receiving threat. Mm-hmm. We forget that he was incredibly fast before the injuries hobbled him. But, you know, I, we, we, you do have to look at the fact that Tony Gonzalez, yeah, a, a lot of it had to do with his longevity. But more than twice the number of receptions, more than twice the number of yards, the second most touchdowns only behind Antonio Guess. Uh, you know, even uh, even Jason Witten has better overall numbers than Rob Gronkowski. I am I, I mean, like he's it's his postseason stuff that's the most impressive. How phenomenally is in the in the postseason? That's the stuff that really stands him up. And I think it's really fitting that someone who was as dominant in his position that as anyone ever has been um, that his last ever catch in the NFL was that catch down to the two yard line, which led to them scoring the touchdown to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. It suits. Although no surprise to see Drew Rosenhaus, his agent who did a, a a lengthy and interesting interview on, um, on Peter King's podcast recently, basically say, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back by like week 10. And I completely, I said this a few months ago, I wouldn't be stunned if Rob Gronkowski retires now and then if Brady goes past next year, so if he goes into year 43 on earth, I'm assuming he's going to go into year 43 on earth, but as a, as a football player, I wouldn't be that surprised to see Gronk essentially take a year off and then come back again. I mean, we've, we've pontificated about that with, I think, earlier on, um, or the, the back end of last season, um, We've spoken about Bronk and we've spoken about it about other players, how a year off can prolong a career. And the guy was broken. Um, And for his body to just get healthy again could be a really good thing for him. So that's it's not something that I I think is a ludicrous thing to say that he will then come back either next season or the back end of of of, uh, of this season it's this season now that's great but um I, there's a couple of things about Gronk and I totally agree with everything that you said and and um his prowess in in receiving and blocking blocking down the field his his um relationship with Brady just all of that superb it says here three times super bowl champion if you're injured for a Super Bowl win, should be should you be called a Super Bowl champion? Did, how many games did he play that season? Yeah, uh... I, I think yeah, I, I I think you know he's got the ring. They oh, of course they're going to give him the ring. He um, played eight. I, uh, yeah, you uh, you probably say he did enough to deserve to be called a Super Bowl champion, but they are they're funny years like that, aren't they? Like. Well, he played six, eight games, only started six of them, only made 25 receptions for 540 yards. Nothing in the postseason. But you look, he didn't start. He only started 16 games once in his career. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, like long, it says three times Super Bowl champion. He won three rings. But did he? Yeah, I think he probably did. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, That's up for debate. I, I'm just putting it out there. But what I will say is that this idea that uh, there's no question he is the absolute greatest of all time. I just, I absolutely believe that he is a, that, that 
longevity is a big part of what makes somebody the greatest. Jerry Rice, part of the reason he's the greatest, that he continued to do it at yep. an incredibly high level for such a long time. That's one of the reasons why he's the greatest. And Tony Gonzalez has that claim as well. Uh, Antonio Gates has that claim as the second greatest of all time because of the longevity. But then we go into things like if you have a great couple of seasons, does that make you the greatest? Uh, whilst you've been away, um, we spoke about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo at Manchester United. He had two, maybe three incredible seasons and then became the player at Real Madrid, you know, the second best player in the world, maybe the best player ever, um, all of that. But because of those, he only had two or three seasons in the Premier League. Can you class him as a Premier League great? Well, those two or three seasons were incredible, but there wasn't that longevity. But I'm also still not sure they were as incredible as, like, they were... If you want to take them as single-season performances, they were great. But I don't think they were up there with the best single-season performances of uh, Eric Cantona, of Thierry Henry, of because I think he did his best work at Real Madrid. I still yeah. think he did his yeah. best work there. And so, I, don't get me wrong, I think Cristiano Ronaldo does have an argument in that GOAT conversation. But, like I said, he's probably the best tight end I've ever seen. But I think there has been a lot of disrespect from people not willing to recognise others who revolutionised the position Mm. for Rob Gronkowski, essentially. I agree with you. All right. Let's... So we just hear from Tim Brown. Is there anything else you really want to cover off? Well, Clay Matthews leaving um, Green Bay to go to the Rams. Two-year deal. Bit of a prove-it as well. I think it's a good signing for the Rams. Um, I think he'll just be. It's, a, it's, I think it's he'll be one a of those two-year deals that's really a one-year, yeah. almost entirely guaranteed deal with a second-year tacked on there kind of thing. But I think um, it's, I think it's a great signing because Will they lacked a little bit of leadership and experience in that lock, locker room for the Super Bowl itself. But and I think the that's a good side thing. of the ball. They were superb. No, no, no. I agree, but. I think just an extra body, an extra layer of experience will only benefit them. And he's not going to play every down. So I think it's a really, really good signing. Uh, let's get... I, I, I'm i not sure he's still got it anymore, but he'll play as an, a pure edge rusher and they'll line him up again, uh, opposite Dante Fowler. And they definitely need something from out there. If yeah. he can take up a blocker and, and allow Aaron Donald to wreck stuff up the middle then you know it can it can work it can definitely that's work. what i'm thinking yeah right let's uh, let's hear from tim brown raiders legend former wide receiver hall of famer uh and uh, yeah again all around nice chap um he's uh he's one of i think only well he explains it in the interview he's one of only nine players to win a heisman and go to the hall of fame and along with six of the others, he's starting a, a new initiative, which he explains all in the interview. Uh, so uh, that's coming up. But we start off talking, obviously, about his time in Los Angeles and Oakland, his time with John Gruden, what he thinks of Antonio Brown, all of that coming up with Hall of Famer Tim Brown. 
Absolutely delighted to say that joining us on the show now, a legitimate NFL legend, Hall of Famer, uh, Oakland and Los Angeles Raider, one of the very best to play the position. And, uh, well, from the times we've uh, met him briefly on Radio Row, seems like an absolute delight as well. So uh, really pleased to welcome onto the show Tim Brown. Uh, good afternoon to you, Tim. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Will. How are you? Yeah, I cannot complain. I cannot complain at all. What's uh, What are you up to at the moment? What's uh, What's life looking like for Tim Brown right now? Oh, man, really busy. You know, a lot of stuff. You know, I, I have two lives. I have a business life, and then I have the Tim Brown life. You know, the Tim Brown life is the autograph sessions and the appearances and speaking engagements and, you know, business trying to, you know, get the going uh, in that arena. And, of course, you know, being a, a husband and a father keeps you quite busy also. Yeah, writing a book and doing like it, it i always amaze at you know with nfl that the, your career is is such a condensed amount of time i guess with all sport it's the same that then that work ethic when you come out the end of it people just seem to keep hitting the ground and keep grinding and you get guys like yourself who just get into everything when they're finished yeah, you know, especially if you have a good career, man, you sort of feel as if, well, if I can go and do that at football field, I mean, what can I do when people are not trying to take my head off? You know what I mean? So uh, I think you, know, you sort of try and take that same attitude that you had while you were playing and apply it to business and uh, in hopes that, uh, you know, you can you can be just as successful off the field as you were on the field. It's that really interesting time of year, of course, where we've just had the combine building up to the draft. What are your memories going into that that draft in 1988 around this this time of year, how you were preparing? Yeah, so I went down there with the attitude that all I need to do was prove to people how fast I could run. There was some doubt that I was a 4.45 guy, um, but I thought I was faster than that, so... Uh, everybody thought I was be four six or four seven. At Notre Dame that last year, we wore high top black uh, shoes, so it made us look a lot slower than what we were. <laughs> but um, so they were shocked when I ran two sub four four forties, and uh, at that particular time, I figured that was all I needed to prove. And I have, and uh, I think I probably had one of the first uh, NFL days uh, at Notre Dame where I had. A, 27, I think at that time it was only 28 football teams in the NFL. So I think I had 27 teams to show up for that event. Hey, that's not a bad record. Who Do you know who didn't show up? You know what? Somebody told me it was like the LA Rams. Somebody ran the Rams and show up or somebody like that. So. Hey. Hey, look! They knew that they didn't know that you'd become a legend across the city with the uh, with the Raiders. So, right, right, right. big mistake on their part, massive mistake on their part to not have the opportunity <laughs> a, a shot at Tim Brown. Um, I, I'm really intrigued with the with the Raiders. Obviously, we've just hit the the hundred years in the NFL, and the Raiders are one of those great all time franchises. How happy are you to see them sticking around in Oakland for at least another year? Yeah, I mean, it was really, really big uh, for the organization to go back in and fight with the city to allow the team to be able to play there for one more for one last year. So uh, I know the city city was upset about the team leaving, uh, but the uh, the team was so disappointed when they filed that lawsuit and really felt not just for the organization for the fans uh, that they would be cheated out of uh, the opportunity to play. Uh, you know, in front of them one last time. So, uh, look, the, the the city of Oakland had, you know, we got there in 1905, 
And it was 2017 before Raiders announced that they were going to Vegas. So they had plenty of time to get up and done. But uh, all that's under the bridge, water under the bridge now. And um, so the team will get an opportunity to play one last year in, in Oakland. I think it's going to be an exciting, exciting time. We were there for, we went to the Chargers game this season. And actually, I've, I've been to the, the Coliseum a couple of times, seen the A's there, seen the Raiders there a couple of times. And do you know what? I, I don't know whether it's a British thing because some of our old soccer stadiums are crumbling messes. But I'm going to I'm gonna miss the Coliseum when it's at the NFL. I, I've got really good memories there. I wonder what yours are. Yeah, you know, I think obviously, you know, because I had so many great moments in, in that stadium, it's going to be hard for me to 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 see it go by the wayside, but um, you know. But when you think about the overall health of the franchise, um, it needs uh, it needs a new place. You know, um, a lot of teams around the league are sprucing up facilities, or at least, or if if they're not just doing that, they're getting new facilities all together. And the Raiders are one of the only teams in the league who hasn't been able to do that for the last twenty five years. So. Um, you know, I think from that standpoint, you know, um, it's going to be it's going to be a great thing for the organization, great thing for the players, and um, obviously it's going to be huge for Vegas. How do you feel about the the move to Vegas? I was honestly, being someone who's drafted by the the LA Raiders, I was stunned that they weren't one of the teams going to Los Angeles because the fan base there is still huge. Yeah, you know, when when the league chose to bring San Diego to L.A. instead of uh, the Raiders, I think uh, that was really a slap in the face to to uh, to the Raider organization at that particular time. And um, and I think that was one of the reasons that led them to uh, want to do the deal in, in, in Vegas. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I was concerned initially about, you know, a bunch of multimillionaires being in Vegas. Um, but... Um, uh, you know, I was assured by the organization, not that they needed to assure me, but <laughs> that uh, this uh, the facility is going to be right next door as far as where they practice every day. And uh, so if guys want to go, then they're going to have to make an effort to go. And uh, from that, you know, that being said, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, they also may say, Tim, when we're in L.A., did we have troubles? Yes, we had troubles in L.A. with players. Did we have troubles with guys in Oakland? Yes, we had. <laughs> so, yeah, we have troubles with guys in Vegas, too, but that's part, part for the course. That's the way it is. The guys who want to get in trouble, they're going to find a way to get in trouble. So uh, as long as you don't have 40 guys on the team get in trouble, you're going to be okay. You obviously know John Gruden incredibly well from from your time there with him and the successes you had those great playoff runs in in kind of the early two thousands. So, how do you feel about him being the guy to take the team to Vegas and you know being the one to make sure that with all these draft picks they've got that those young players stay in line? Well, I hope they have a Chucky Hotel or some kind of Chucky museum for him when he gets there. So, you know, I don't think they're a better, better guy to take the um, franchise to, to Vegas. I think, um, you know, John is a guy with full of energy, you know, high emotions, the whole deal. And uh, I think it'll be great. Uh, he's going to be a great fit for the uh, Vegas, uh, Vegas fans. And we know that they're going to be a lot of. Oakland Raider Nation, LA Raider Nation coming from uh, coming, you know, to Vegas. So it's not going to be a new crowd by any stretch. But uh, for those who hadn't paid much attention to the Raiders in Vegas and will be going to the games, I think they're going to see an exciting, exciting brand of football. 
I mean, you were one of the, the veteran guys in the locker room, I guess, when, when Gruden came in. He was barely a, a few years older than you. What were your first kind of early impressions yeah, right. of John Gruden? Right. Uh, I couldn't believe it. The first time I ever saw him, I walked right by him because he, he was 18 years old. looked like he was one of the guys helping, you know, <laughs> uh, around the facility during the offseason or something. So I walked by him. He was like, oh, you're going to walk by your new head coach? I was like, dude, I thought you were 21 years old. So... Um, so it was uh, rather, rather striking to see such a young guy. And, you know, quite frankly, we, we had some conversations early on that I told him, I said, man, you can't handle this situation. Uh, not necessarily players, but I was talking about the administration at the time with Al Davis. So it's going to be too difficult for you. So I, I was literally planning to, to leave and, uh, and go play elsewhere because I just didn't think he'd be able to handle it. He told me to give him a couple of years, and uh, and that's what I did. And you know, I ended up having the best four years of my career under him. I mean, you've talked previously about your relationship with Al Davis, but for a young head coach to go in there with an owner who has such strident ideas of what he believes that franchise should be, I mean, I can imagine a busting of heads. Like if I'm imagining that behind the behind the scenes, I think that could get quite fiery. Yeah, I, I can only imagine, man. And, uh, you know, I was privy to a couple of the conversations, but, you know, there's only two over four years. So, I mean, how many conversations that they have, nobody knows about. But, um, you know, yeah, he fought. He fought as much as he could for players. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I mean, he didn't have the final say-so, you know. And, um, uh, but Al did allow him to bring in certain players that, you know, guys who were real football players, not guys who were super athletes. Uh, which the Raiders were known for bringing in guys who were super athletes, but not necessarily good football players. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, from that standpoint, that was a big change with, with our organization. We had we had guys now who could play the game. They may not be super fast or super big, but you know they were going to make the tackle, they were going to make the catch, or they were going to do exactly what they were supposed to do. There was um, it was obviously a lot of talk about that at the time. Always drafting the. I, I, you know, anytime the Raiders have drafted any guy who runs like yourself, a sub four four, sub four four five forty, everyone goes, "Oh, that's a classic Al Davis pick." Was your experience that you know he did have that much control over the organization that he was getting in there and getting involved in the, in the football side of things that much? Yeah, well, you know, Al was a football guy. I mean, he's a guy who knew the game like the back of his hand, you know. Um, um, you know, I, I've, I've had several conversations with him over the years where, you know, he literally broke down the game plan and, and what was supposed to happen, what should happen, what couldn't happen. So it wasn't like he didn't know football, you know. I think the the problem became, you know, he wasn't going to as much film as the coaches, and there was times he would overrule the coaches when, when you know they they they're the ones who are watching film twenty four hours a day for the most part. So, um, but look, you know, the guy knew the game like the back of his hand, you know, and it was his football team, right? So he has a right to do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> so. I think from that standpoint, you just got to be ready to roll with the punches. So for some reason at this point in the interview, uh, my next question is being cut off, I think, because we edited it up for use on TalkSport. And so uh, the, the rest of the interviews here, the next 12 and a half, 13 minutes of, of the nice long interview that uh, the brilliant Tim Brown did with us. Uh, but up next, I asked Tim Brown all about Antonio Brown. This was just before he signed for the Raiders and about whether or not he was worth bringing into the building considering his unbelievable talent, but all the baggage that comes with that. 
the same reason the Raiders would take him and trade trade for him is really the same reason they won't trade for him. And I know that that's probably it's confusing, but uh, John Gruden loves guys with 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 a little attitude, a little little pop to him. You know, uh, he used to say all the time that he. He he doesn't he didn't mind having one Dennis Rodman on the football team, one guy that was never going to do things the right way, but on Sunday he was going to come out and, and and get you 19 rebounds. You know what I mean? He's going to do his job and make things happen. You know, during the week you had to deal with it, whatever, whatever. You can have one guy like the NFL team, you can't have two, is what he used to always say. So from that standpoint, I think you know he wouldn't be afraid of everything, anything that's going on with AB. But at the same time, you know, being that uh, this team is going to turn over, it's going to be such a young team. I don't know if you want one of the veterans being a guy that is, you know, out there like that. So, so it'll be really interesting to see. And I haven't had that conversation with John, and I will have that conversation with him. It'll, it'll stay between the two of us. But I, <laughs> I need to know what his thoughts are on that because, you know, I'm being asked about this now. I'm sure certainly be asked about it a hundred times uh, more before it happens or if it happens. <laughs> so, you know, I think from that standpoint, if it happens, you know, I get it because I know who John Gruden is. But at the same time, if it doesn't happen, I think he's doing that for the benefit of the team. Hey, hey look, Tim, if you have that conversation and you want to share it with me, I promise I won't tell I anyone else. <laughs> I got you. I know where to call you, Will. <laughs> he, he, he is known as being like one of the hardest working guys in the NFL. And obviously we see everything that's happened off the field this season, the not turning up for the final game of the year. So it does feel like if he is this insanely hardworking guy that people talk about, surely with the right head coach, you could get him back to where he is at his best and he can be a difference maker. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I think right now his big big thing is he has to get playmakers uh, on the football Football, offensively and defensively. So um, you have the best plays in the world, best defense call, but if you don't have guys going to execute it, uh, it's going to be very tough to get it done. So uh, I think for him right now, uh, you know, the few times I have spoken with him this year, it's all been about, man, I, I got to get players. I got to get mm-hmm. in here. I got to get some Raider, some Raider players in here, as you've been saying. So, um, you know, so I think from that standpoint, you know, it's going to be. Um, you know, you don't know these days what you get, right? You know, I mean, back in the day, a guy had to earn his second contract or, you know, earn money by getting the second contract. That's not the case anymore. You know, it's not the case that you, you have to, uh, you know, your first, first contract, you can get $25, $30 million contract. So for a lot of these guys, that's as much money that, you know, they have a dream of making. And um, so now you to go out and play hard and, sacrifice my body so you don't know what these draft picks i think that's why he will be more you know uh prone to to go out and get a b or go out and get a, a player who's in the league already instead of uh relying on draft picks because you just don't know what you're gonna get from these guys anymore hey you remember the last time they had three draft picks in the first round of course that would have been 1988 <laughs> and they did all right. It's fair to say in that year. I mean, they right. they they got themselves one Hall of Famer in there, and and uh, I mean, to be fair to uh, uh, to be fair to Terry McDaniel, great cornerback, had a really good career. Scott Davis, yeah. you feel like yeah. without the injury, he could have had a great career. So they they did all right with three picks last time. 
Yeah, yeah, Scott. You know, we, you know, I, I think Scott, like you said, without the injuries, would have been a dominant player for many years with Raiders. He was a guy who was playing really, really good football down about it. And Terry had a, a really good. I hated playing, you know, practice against Terry, and then I had to play against him for a couple of years when he was with uh, Seattle. But uh, yeah, so you know, no doubt about it. it uh, they, they, they did well with the three picks. So let's hope. Uh, Let's hope they can they can do you know half as well as they did with those three picks. I think everybody would be happy. <laughs> it is. Uh, it was a, a year of change, obviously, for John Gruden and the team. I know you've talked about it before, but the Khalil Mack trade and then the Amari Cooper trade as well. They made huge headlines with both of those. I, I get that sometimes a team needs to be blown up to to rebuild, but uh, Tim, how did you feel about them losing those two players? Well, no, I, I think, you know, uh, if if there was a player that he probably had nightmares about, about you know, um, trading, it was Khalil because uh, that was not the game plan. That was not what they wanted to do, you know, but it was really forced because Khalil threatening not to come in and play and sitting out the whole year and you have a, a team that will give you two first-round picks. I mean, that's... That's a very difficult thing to to overlook, you know. And um, so, as much as they wanted him to stay in the silver and black, I mean, they couldn't risk the opportunity that maybe he would not come in and play at all. And you got two first round picks. Somebody's dangling in front of you. So, so you know. Uh, but you know, it was such a big hole that was left. But you know, I think you know we should have all gotten a clue when early in the year, early in training camp. John, the statement, well, with Khalil Mack last year, we were the worst team in the league, worst defense in the league. So, you know, that to me was saying, okay, well, we don't necessarily need this guy because we can't go anywhere but up anyway. Uh, so, you know, so I think when that opportunity came to trade him, you know, he almost had to do it. Amari, I don't think, was as big of a decision for him because, I mean, he knew that Amari was not connecting with him. And, um, and if you're not going to connect with the head coach, if you're not going to have a relationship with him, and you're not playing, you know, inspired, inspired football, it makes it very difficult to to stay on the team. And I think um, when you have, you know, a huge payday coming up, you know, you know, this year, maybe, you know, next year, Cowboys, sure, next year, they're going to have to sign him for, you know, 50 to $20 million a year. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, he wasn't playing to that type of guy, you know, his first six games of the the Raiders last year so I don't think they had a choice but to take that first round pick also it's um and I'm going to ask you uh, about H2H in a minute because uh, often guys come on and they have something to talk about something to plug a book uh, an appearance whatever it is I've just been told to ask you about this with no other information so I'm excited to find out what it yeah. is but but my last question just before we get to that is obviously losing Amari Cooper you said it earlier Tim playmakers are something they're going to need to look for this offseason I did a little bit of research into this going up to the Super Bowl this year. And the last time a top three receiver in terms of yardage and touchdowns won a Super Bowl was Marvin Harrison in 2006. So there is a school of thought that you don't need the kind of prototypical number one receiver to go and be successful nowadays. Yeah, yeah, you know, not about it. You know, and I think when we say playmakers, and I made the, you know, the reference to playmakers, 
I don't think you're looking at a 150 you know, catch guy. I don't think that's the guy you're looking at. But you have to have guys who are going to be steady guys, who are going to be guys who you can depend on on a week in and week out basis. And you know, the Rangers had so many injuries this year. They were playing different combinations of the receivers and tight ends. It makes it very difficult for everybody involved for that to be a successful program. But, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, the thing about Gruden's offense, you don't necessarily need a Jerry Rice or a Tim Brown, you know. Uh, it could be as potent all all in itself because of the formations and how they, it, it always gets the defense in a in a bad position if the quarterback reads of the, the defense right. So uh but it's always great if you throw that little five yard pass, that guy turns into a twenty five, thirty <laughs> yard catch instead of just a five yard pass. So but so I think that that being said um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's this whole thing about AB. It's like I just talked about. I don't know if um, if you want to do it for that reason. You know, I mean, now you're going to have a guy that when he doesn't get the ball, he's going to be coming to the side going, why am I not getting the ball? And it may just be the quarterback read is taking him uh, to the other, other side. But So, you know, you got to have a guy that uh, – or a couple guys, I believe, that, um, you know, are steady football players and can make this thing happen. And I think you can go a long way with that. Uh, so I think you're absolutely right. It's okay when you've got two of those guys there. If you've got Tim Brown and Jerry Rice, obviously you're going to have some right. success there like you guys got late on. I mean, unbelievable that you guys were both on the same team at one point. Uh, I do want to. So tell me, Tim, what is H2H? Because I was teased about this. What is it going to be? So tell me a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, when I got ready to go into the Hall of Fame, I had a buddy. My here from Dallas said, "Hey, you know, you know that there are only nine guys to win the Heisman and go on to be in the Hall of Fame." And I was like, "Man, what are you talking about? You crazy?" I thought that the number was twenty-five, thirty guys. I don't know why I was thinking that, but so when we did the research after the Hall of Fame ceremony, we realized that you know he was he was right that uh, there are only nine guys to win the Heisman and. Um, and go on to be an NFL Hall of Fame. So we've gotten together for the most part. Um, seven out of nine of us. One of uh, Doke, Doke Walker has passed away, and one of the members is not going to be a member uh, because of his status in society right now, and that's uh, Mr. O.J. OJ Simpson. Um, so we, you know, we can't utilize, you know, what, uh, what is broken. So we. You know, we we'll do whatever we can for him. At the same time, we're not going to have to participate in the uh, in the program. But you know, the other seven of us have got together and basically said, "Look, you know, we we obviously have left an incredible legacy on the football field. Uh, let's see what we can do off the field. Let's see if we can partner with some companies or nonprofits. And you know, uh, you know, when these disasters, you know, we just had a big tornado that uh, ripped through one of our our states." Here uh, in the United States in Alabama, and why why shouldn't we have a H2H representative or a group on the state, you know, uh, passing out whatever needs to be passed out, if you know, with funding, you know, behind it, you know, so we we just want to do something big, you know, we we again we I don't think our legacy on the football field can ever be outmatched when it comes to you know winning the Heisman and being in the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, we think there are some incredible things we can do off the field that uh, when people think about us years and years and years down the line, 
you know, it's not just about what we did on the football field. It's his legacy that we left off the field, too. So, so you know, all this is uh, in the early stages right now. We're putting a lot of together and uh, having a lot of conversations with companies. But uh, but that's the uh, the overall 4,000-foot view of what we're talking about doing. That sounds very, very exciting, Tim. Like People go and follow Tim at 81 Tim Brown on Twitter. I'm sure there'll be a lot more information on there as well. That sounds very, very cool. So really cool stuff. Uh, any chance, uh, well, it's obviously down to the NFL to make it happen, but the Raiders are over in London this year. Fancy a trip over? Yeah, you know, I, I missed the last time they came over, but, um, yeah, I'm trying to get on the list already this year to make sure that that doesn't happen again, so... Uh, but yeah, we we're sort of looking to that. That should be fun. I, I always enjoy. I came over a couple, three or four years ago. I think it was right before the Hall of Fame or same year I went into the Hall of Fame. I can't remember. Uh, but um, yeah, but yeah, I, I love London. My wife loves London, so yeah, we're looking forward to being over there. Hey Tim, we will welcome you with open arms. Should you get to come over this year? Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Hall of Famer Tim Brown joining us. Tim Brown, legend. Lovely conversation, brilliant stuff. Ollie, do the uh, do the plugging bits, and then we can get out of here. At Gridiron on Twitter, at Ollie Hunter, at Will Gav, uh, or Talk Gav, whichever one, and uh, Gridiron Hyphen Magazine for the website. Get involved on there. Get your subscription in for the magazine because it's stunning. Uh, we're still going to ha- be releasing stuff throughout the off season, and loads come the actual season there's a draft is it in 30 days time so uh you and i yeah, have to figure out what we're going to do yeah. what we're going to do with that um we should do something it'd be nice to see you i've missed you buddy and uh any final thoughts we'll have uh, no i'm all good i'm gonna go and uh i'm gonna go and replace a car battery now and um uh yeah go do some shopping and then do some housework so that's what i've become with my week off that i've now got because <laughs> of jury service ending early uh ollie any final thoughts from you well my final thought is i'm gonna see if uh, grimble is about to come in and do a final thought for us grimble 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 uh so uh, yeah l- love you buddy miss you loads and uh i will see you when i next see you and just a reminder we'll have draft pods coming out as yes. well they won't be coming out under the college uh, show moniker they'll be coming out under the gridiron show moniker so you'll just find them where you find this show thank you love you bye hello friends loved ones it's been a while uh it's grumble you may remember me from the glorious super bowl uh week that we had and you know i'd like to share with you my final thought now and again and it's been a while but ollie has kindly asked me and here i am and i've been thinking for a while uh, you know what would my next one be in this situation and, and I thought of one and I think it, it involves nostalgia and there's been a lot of love recently for nostalgia and you know how great it is and all that but I'm, I kind of went on the flip side the other day and it involved um, drinking hooch and you may remember hooch back back in back in day um, that lovely lemonade alcohol thing that used to get you quite drunk as a youngster Um and I had one the other day, and it was, it, it, it wasn't the same, you know. It just wasn't the same. It was, um, it was, it was a lot of sugar, a uh, lot, lot more sugar in there than I remembered. Um, and it was kind of, you know, I had a really bad hangover the, the day after. And I, I don't want to blame the hooch because I only had one, but I am going to blame the hooch because it kind of made me think that 
um, a few weeks a few weeks ago it was my birthday um, so sending messages in for that and I had a couple of hooch at the end of the night and I, I literally had like a three or four day hangover and it's one of the worst I've ever had in my life and I honestly thought I was dying my left leg wouldn't stop moving the day after and I was watching Friends and I thought this is it I'm going to go with Jennifer Aniston looking at me um, and my left leg not not being able to stop um, and and the missus said to me he's like you drank hooch that night I drank hooch the other night and I kind of think that might be it so my my message I guess what I'm trying to say is don't get too sucked into nostalgia um, because it can leave you thinking you're going to die watching Friends um, until next one guys see you soon